This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello, welcome to African News Tonight. Uh, thanks for joining us. I'm Douglas Mboga, and here's what's coming up. It has overstretched our work, it has overstretched our resources, because for the moment this is an operation that's not attracting a lot of donor attention. So we are providing the barest minimum of assistance that we can. That's Jay Avenor, head of the UNHCR in Kenya's Dabab refugee camp, on Somalia's drought and hunger problems, driving more people to flee the country. Also, the president of a Ugandan opposition party, Joseph Kabuleta, has been arrested. Two UN agencies are calling for urgent support for refugees in charge. And Senegal has advanced the knockout round at the World Cup in Qatar. All this and more coming up on African News Tonight. Uganda's opposition politicians and rights groups are calling for the release of opposition party president Joseph Kavleta, who was arrested Monday by security forces. Kavleta's party is demanding an explanation for his arrest, which they likened to an abduction. Uganda police accused him of promoting sectarianism, while Human Rights Watch accuses, accused authorities of muzzling government critics. Halima Athman reports from the Ugandan capital, Kampala. A video circulating on social media Monday afternoon showed six men walking into an office in which Joseph Kavleta was holding a meeting with two men. One of the men, wearing a pink shirt, moves to grab Kavleta's phone and two others grab him by his hands before he is whisked away in a waiting black van. Kavleta, who heads the National Economic Empowerment Dialogue Party, has been critical of government policies. This includes what he has called poor service delivery to different parts of the country. Kavleta's lawyer, Ivan Aboe, speaking to VOA by phone, described the abduction as fishy and says a full day passed without police revealing where Kavleta had been taken. Aboe tells VOA that at 2.39 p.m. Tuesday, party leaders finally received a call from police informing them of Kavleta's whereabouts. After a lot of pressure, Police authorities, they've just informed us that he's at uh, Chira Division Police. And uh, right there, the police authorities have made instructions that he should be allowed to access his lawyers, doctor, and, and also the family members. But that, that has been a struggle in its own. The police say they are holding Kavleta on charges of promoting sectarianism based on statements he made that service delivery in some parts of the country were based on ethnic lines. The police say the statements made on May 30th are likely to create alienation, raise discontent and promote feelings of ill will or hostility among members of the public. Shortly before his arrest, Kavleta held a news conference in which he called on President Yoram Seveni to treat the ongoing insecurity in the country very seriously. This was in relation to recent attacks on police stations and an army installation in which guns were stolen and about four security officers killed and others were injured. Kavleta also condemned the killing of suspects who had information regarding the attacks. Oriem Nyeko, an East Africa researcher for rights group Human Rights Watch, says it was wrong for the police to arrest Kavleta because of his criticism. Especially for people who are critical of how 
the government operates. People should be allowed to talk freely, especially when it is about issues of how they are governed. And to do that is just increasingly closing in Uganda. Aboe accused Ugandan authorities of torturing dissenters and holding people in communicado. We condemn, of course, these actions. They are barbaric. They are not for the 21st century. And authorities should uh, reconsider their methods of operation. Kavleta is not the only one who spent a night in jail Monday. Muslim cleric Yahya Mwanje also was picked up in an unmarked van in Kampala and whisked off to an unknown location. There has been no police report on why he was arrested. Halima Othmani for VA News, Kampala, Uganda. The United Nations has said this month that the world's population reached 8 billion people and more than half of the population growth up to 2050 would come from eight countries, five of them in Africa. In that time span, Nigeria is expected to double its population to 400 million people to become the world's third most populous nation. Experts warn that without proper planning, such a growth would be unsustainable, as Timothy Biezu reports from Abuja, Nigeria. In 2020, Aisha Ali and her husband decided she would take a birth control injection after having nine children. Ali said the decision was due to financial constraints. She says, I'm a petty trader and my husband is a motorcycle rider. We want the best for our children but don't make enough money. Sometimes good Samaritans help us pay the children's school fees and buy us food. But the contraceptive Ali was given suppresses ovulation for only a few years. Many Nigerian women, especially those in rural areas, surpass the national birth rate of about five children per woman. Evelyn Isingi had eight children before her husband passed away in 2018. Now, she says she's struggling to take care of them. Even if my husband is alive, I don't want to get more children again because of hardship. This is very difficult, mostly now. The United Nations Population Fund, UNFPA, says low funding for procurement of family planning consumables, cultural bias, and so-called male dominance are major factors affecting uptake of family planning measures here. This is the reason the UN raised concerns that population growth, especially in Africa, is not sustainable. Marking the world population milestone of 8 billion earlier this month, UN officials called for population growth a result of improvements in medicine and public health, leading to reduced mortality rates. Erika Goldson is the deputy country representative for Nigeria at the UNFPA. There are major advancements happening, but one of the things that concerns us as um, the UN is that this progress is not receive equally across boards. So there are some citizens who are denied access to basic health care, basic education. Um, their whole overall quality of life is, is affected negatively. Eight countries worldwide are expected to account for more than half of the global population growth over the next three decades. Five of them are in Africa, including Nigeria. Nigeria is already the seventh largest population in the world and 95 million of its people live below $2.15 a day, 
according to World Bank data for 2022. In February of this year, Nigerian President Mohamedou Buhari launched a national population policy to control high fertility rates and improve access to modern family planning tools. To help, the UN and Nigerian officials educate women about family planning in rural areas. But Goldson says Nigeria must budget more money for family planning to achieve more tangible goals. Since this year, we have a gap of 25 million. And that had to do with a lot of the economic downturn because of the COVID-19. We also have the issue around the Ukraine war and so forth that have affected um, donor contribution. A lot of the issue around family planning, particularly commodity procurement, is very donor-driven, which is very risky for Nigeria. Health officials say Nigeria needs to invest $35 million every year to address family planning gaps, but only earmarked $50,000 for it in the national budget for next year. Civil society groups are calling for authorities to increase the allotment before the budget is approved by the National Assembly in December. Timothy Obiezu for VOA News, Abuja, Nigeria. The World Food Programme and the UN High Commissioner for Refugees are calling for urgent support for refugees in Chad. WFP says it needs $161 million by the end of the year to avoid the suspension of food aid and other assistance to crisis-affected communities, including half a million refugees from Sudan and the Central African Republic. The UN says some face some face acute malnutrition rates of over 19% and chronic rates of 42%, a situation that could grow worse if cuts are made in food aid. The UN says their plight has worsened due to unprecedented flooding and spiraling food costs. Chad hosts 577,000 refugees, a population that has grown by 10% over the last year, with most fleeing conflict and instability in neighboring countries. You're listening to African News Tonight. I'm Douglas Impoga in Washington. For more information on these and other stories from the continent, please see voaafrica.com. There you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. For world news, check out voanews.com. This year's World AIDS Day theme is Equalize, a call to take quick action to address global inequalities and end the rise in HIV infections and AIDS-related deaths. UNAIDS, the United Nations HIV and AIDS body, says inequalities that perpetuate the AIDS pandemic can be tackled. As James Shimanyula reports from Nairobi, UNAIDS has set a goal of reducing the number of HIV infections by 90% by the year 2030. Ahead of World AIDS Day, UNAIDS, the United Nations HIV AIDS body, wants the availability, quality and suitability of services for HIV treatment to be increased and more preventive measures taken. UNAIDS data shows that four decades into the HIV response, inequalities still persist for the most basic services such as testing, treatment and condom use. 
and even more so for new technologies. The greatest inequalities are in the developing nations with the growing populations. With eight years remaining before the 2030 goal of ending AIDS as a global health threat, UNAIDS says economic, social, cultural and legal inequalities must be addressed urgently. UNAIDS says young women in Africa remain disproportionately affected by HIV while dedicated programs for them remain too low. East Africa is one of the regions with rising infection rate. One of the countries in the region is Africa's newest nation, South Sudan, where Dr. Kandiyang Modi of the country's Ministry of Health pushed for better testing and treatment for HIV AIDS. The earlier we begin the treatment, the better the outcome, meaning these persons who are put on treatment early will not reach the stage of AIDS unless they stop taking the medication. Modi dismissed the misconception in some countries in Africa that HIV AIDS is not real. HIV is real. You may be the next person infected if you don't prevent it. So let us take the lead in preventing it. Let us know our status so that we can be able to eradicate HIV by 2030. Dr. Achel Ayom, Deputy Chairperson of HIV AIDS Commission in South Sudan, says a rising number of infections there is not because people don't know about AIDS. These young kids know about HIV. They use condom. Young boys, they know to use condom. Women, they don't go and test because they are afraid to be divorced or be killed by a husband. The World Health Organization says globally more than 38 million people are living with HIV AIDS. Nearly 26 million of them are in Africa. For VOA Africa News, I'm James Shimanyula in Nairobi, Kenya. Record droughts and hunger in Somalia are driving thousands to flee to neighboring Kenya for help. Relief groups say the influx of refugees at Kenya's Dabab camp is stretching the already overcrowded camp's resources. Juma Majanga reports from the refugee camp in Dadaab, Kenya. Raho Ali is just arriving from Somalia with four of her children at the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, UNHCR, transit area in Kenya's northern border town of Dadaab. The 45-year-old mother of seven says the biting drought in Somalia prompted her to flee and seek relief in Kenya. Three of her children got lost following a gun attack on them while on the treacherous journey and she has yet to locate them. On our way to the Dab refugee camp, she says with a frail voice, I met with the different things. People were dying of starvation and hunger. People were disappearing, she adds. I have even lost three of my children on the journey. I don't know where they are, Ali says with desperation. Ali is among tens of thousands flocking to Kenyan camps in a new wave of drought-driven refugees. The Kenyan government put a ban on registration of new refugees in the northern border with Somalia, but the UNHCR says 
it has profiled 80,000 new arrivals in the last few months. Relief agencies say the influx is training their capacity to help. Guy Avonio is the head of the UNSCR Interdab. It has overstretched our work, it has overstretched our resources, because for the moment this is an operation that's not attracting a lot of donor attention. So we are providing the barest minimum of assistance that we can. Kongani Atanas, health manager for the International Rescue Committee, agrees. So it's really putting strain on our facilities and on our resources because this population was not planned prior to, I mean, like six, seven months ago. But we've seen these cases increase recently, like the past three, four months. With a fifth straight failed rainy season, it is feared the drought crisis in the Horn of Africa will only worsen. And with parts of Somalia approaching famine, more refugees are expected in the camps. Humanitarian agencies say they are worried about the dwindling attention from the international community on the crisis and are appealing for more aid. Here again is Guy Avonio. We are gearing up for more arrivals, meaning that we are making plans for more arrivals, but we appeal to the international community to really... Uh, pay attention to this side of the world because there doesn't seem to be much attention coming our way, probably amid other priorities internationally, including Ukraine. We are feeling it as compared to previous years and previous influxes and previous emergencies where we got more attention than now. For thousands fleeing drought and hunger across the border like Ali, their main goal is simply to get some food and shelter. Juma Majanga for VA News, Dadab Refugee Camp, Kenya. And uh, to the World Cup in Qatar, Senegal is through to the group of 16 after beating Ecuador 2-1. Senegal first last reached this stage 20 years ago and is, uh, Senegal is also the first African team in this tournament to qualify for the knockout stage. My colleague, Sunny Young, joins me now. Uh, Sunny, uh, Senegal, first of all, your take on the game. What, what most impressed you about the performance? Sporty World Cup greetings, Douglas. I was very impressed with African champion Senegal. The Lions of Taranga certainly showed the heart of a lion. Uh, possible man of the match was the Chelsea man. Khalid Koulibaly, he had the game-winning goal. Khalidou Koulibaly, the game-winning goal for Senegal in the 70th minute. And I think what made it so special, Douglas, is Koulibaly's score came about two minutes after Caicedo had equalized for Ecuador. So it was 1-1, and Koulibaly came right back with that just uh, great goal off of a free kick by Senegal. Uh, Senegal took a 1-0 lead into halftime. Just bef- uh, before halftime, Ismail Sarr converted a penalty kick for Senegal. Uh, so they ended up winning by a score of 2-1. They finished second in Group A with six points behind Group A leader, the Netherlands. 
Netherlands topped the group with seven points. Uh, the Dutch beat host Qatar uh, in the other Group A match by a score of 2-0. But, yeah, you know, uh, Douglas, just the, the fight and the grit by the Lions of Taranga uh, really impressed me. And our African News Tonight listeners need to remember uh, the Senegalese went into the World Cup without their injured captain, Sadio Mane. And more than a few people uh, thought that, you know, that was going to really basically expunge their World Cup hopes. But they showed that they are a quality team uh, reaching the round of 16 in Qatar. Exactly, Sane. Sane, as you say, Sadio Mane is missing. Idris Gue was not in. And now this win pits them against the group leaders of uh, Group B, who, who are England. Uh, what an interesting setup between England and Senegal. And what do you think are the chances of Senegal beating England? I, I like Senegal's chances, Douglas. Uh, you know, uh, I have to admit, I, I didn't give the USA much chance against England in their earlier group encounter. And the Americans ended up uh, playing to a scoreless draw. I think that opening match by England where they thrashed uh, Iran 6-2, I think that really uh, maybe I got a little misguided after that lopsided score. But now, yeah, I I give Senegal a real good chance uh, in that match against uh, England. Uh, Mendy, you know, uh, Senegal's goalkeeper, I I liked what he did today, especially at the end. Uh, he made some very nice plays uh, in front of the net for Senegal. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't say enough about uh, about what the Lions of Taranga did, Douglas. I see. Uh, and Sane, it's just very impressive. Sane, Senegal aside, we still have some other African teams. Those that seem most likely to go through are Morocco and Cameroon. Do you think this time, this tournament, Africa may have more than two teams in the, in the knockout stage? And what are the chances yeah, of these two? I, you know, yeah, Douglas, you're right. Uh, uh, the Atlas Lions of Morocco, I think they have a, an excellent chance uh, of going through. They have four points now in their group. Uh, Ghana's got a big match coming up on Friday against Uruguay. Kind of a grudge match if we think back to 2010 in South Africa. But uh, a winnable match, I think, for the Black Stars of Ghana. And if they can... Uh, you know, a, a win will see them through to the round of 16. So I think it's uh, possible. We we could see three African teams, Douglas, in the round of 16. And I got to check my history books, but I don't, I don't think that's ever happened before for Africa, where they've had three teams in the World Cup's round of 16. I see. Well, I think if one of them, if three go through, maybe we may see what, for the first time an African team at the finals. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Sonny thanks Sonny yeah, sh- shout out for uh, the, the first team to get through uh, the Lions of Taranga Douglas uh, you know if we look back four years ago to Russia uh, they almost made it through but they, they lost out because of that fair play rule uh, they weren't able to advance exactly well thanks Sonny and for the latest on the World Cup check out voafrica.com slash World Cup and stay tuned to all your favorite uh, VOA programs, including the sunny side of sports. And don't forget to look out for World Cup podcast on Goal with Sunny and Mockville.
Well, uh, that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Douglas Impoga in Washington. For all latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voafrica.com. And thank you again for tuning in and choosing the Voice of America.